Hello, my name is Don English, Director of Children Deserve Success and Executive Director of the San Bernardino Countywide Gangs and Drugs Task Force. And I want to welcome you to our Children Deserve Success podcast. Monthly, we will be sending out these recordings regarding all things related to child welfare and attendance, school attendance review board, foster youth services, McKinney-Vento homeless programs in our county, and the San Bernardino Countywide Gangs and Drugs Task Force. This month's focus will be an interview with Juan Robledo, project analyst with Healthy SBCSS, San Bernardino County Superintendent Schools. Juan, welcome today. So oh, glad to have you here. Thank you so much, Don. <laughs> yes, my distinct pleasure. Could you, uh, Juan, if you would, please uh, tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do for San Bernardino County Superintendent of Schools. So my name is Juan Robledo. I am an immigrant child of uh, my parents. Uh, they were both raised in Mexico or and um, uh, here in San Bernardino County Superintendent Schools, I am a project analyst and I oversee uh, fiscal grants for Healthy SBCS, specifically the CalFresh, the Tobacco Use Prevention Education, and also the um, mental health. Juan, how long have you been in education and what's been your journey? So I've been with education for about 27 years. I started off as a student worker, working in the print shop, got promoted to accounts payable, worked in accounts receivable, uh, processed warrants, reconciled cash. Um, then I started, went over to Healthy SBCSS, where I oversee the budgets. We're about $7 million in our budgets between our grants. Wow, that's mm -hmm. phenomenal. It's just yes. amazing when you come from the background that you do. Uh, you have a unique perspective uh, that many of our students in San Bernardino County face as it relates to um, your parents' immigrant status. Can you elaborate a little bit on your background as it relates to that and your educational journey? So, yeah. So my educational journey, um, growing up with my parents, uh, they were not focused on education. So my mom has a second grade education. And my dad finished high school here in, in California. Um, my mom, like I said, she didn't think education was important, and neither did my dad. They thought that going to the workforce right after uh, graduation was important, and they wanted me to do the trade school. So my dad is, was a plumber at the time and a gardener, and so that's the field they wanted me to go into. Now, growing up, I got to see a lot of my aunts and uncles working hard labor jobs, and they were always in pain, some kind of body aches, and I knew I didn't want that for myself. I didn't want to work with my hands, and so... Um, I thought that education was the way out for me. And so um, I did go to a community college um, after high school. And the only reason I wanted went to community college was because I wanted to do the volunteer income tax assistance program. So I wanted to do taxes. And so that was my way into community college. Um, but um, growing up, like I said, education was important. And so my parents, like I said, we, we lived in an area where immigration was really, really, really bad. So ICE was out everywhere. And so um, we would um, take side streets. We would take alleys um, just to go to school, the grocery store. And so we were always being afraid of being caught by immigration. And so 
if this route to school was about five minutes, it would take us over an hour just because we wanted to make sure that um, the big white buses were, you know, the people were being deported, we would try to avoid them. And there was a lot of times where, you know, we would encounter one. And so we'd step back and almost like hide. And my mom would use that like a learning experience and like start teaching us about like the different plants that were around. Mm -hmm. And we would use them like my mom would tell us like they were used for medicinal Mm -hmm. or this way. And she would teach us a little bit about the plants. And then once it was free, then we would continue going. And so finally we'd get to our destination, either school. And so, um, but if in the event that we did get caught, my mom, like I said, because at the time they weren't asking for, you know, birth certificates or anything. They just took everyone on the bus. Mm. They transported them to L.A. or they took them down to the border, San Isidro. And so um, we did know, I know a couple people who were deported, like I said, and, you know, it it wasn't a fun thing. Um, But most of the time when we would walk around, like I said, take the bri- go underneath the bridges through the train tracks um, just so that we can go to the grocery store, go to school. Um, it, it, it was just, it was terrible. It was hard. Right, right. But um, my parents did make it, you know, where it was somewhat fun, like trying to find, like, look for different types of plants so that, you know, we could, you know, get try to, yeah, get our mind off of it. I'll tell you what. Uh, one, your determination, obviously, your family was very determined to yes. uh, make it in, in the United States. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have another question for you. What was your attendance rate? How often would you say you went to school? I did go to school every day, maybe not necessarily on time, but we did go to school every single day. It was very important that my parents got us to school. Um, and said, and my dad, like I said, we only had one vehicle, so it was important for us. My dad would take the car to work, and then my mom would just walk us to school. And But it was, like I said, it was attendance was very important, but not necessarily we were punctual all the time. Yeah, that's phenomenal because uh, <laughs> in the state of California, um, our chronic absenteeism rate hovers around 12%, uh, which is which is a ton of uh, uh, absences for kids. And we know the importance of school as being a safe place for students and also for their uh, social Mm -hmm. emotional growth and their academic growth. That's correct. Um, Talk a little bit about, and obviously um, I could kind of surmise what your answer might be, but were you involved with any activities in school, sports or clubs, anything like that? So, no, I wasn't involved in any sports, um, any clubs, and the only reason is because we were really scared of immigration at that time. Um, so immigration would hang out around like the grocery stores in the downtown area where we lived, at the parks. And so most of like the sports activities was held at the parks. And so um, I do remember my cousin did pay for me to do basketball one season. But my parents never went to any of my games mm-hmm. because it was always we were scared of immigration. Um and so, like I said, doing that basketball in the season, we only did home games. I didn't never went to any away games. It was mostly we stayed at home, um, at home games. But it was just being careful. And if we, in the event, I I was with a group of you know Mexicans, um, then um, I knew if I got deported, I knew where to go in in Mexico because I had family out there. Wow. Mm-hmm. Um, the undocumented label. Uh, of your parents, how did that affect you um, as it relates to anxiety or depression or a sense of isolation? Uh, did the, I should ask, did that affect you? And if so, how? You know, um, 
my parents made it where it was fun. So I don't think depression was anything. Um, isolation, definitely. Um, because we weren't allowed to do many stuff around our neighborhood or going out to the community. Um, so isolation was definitely a big thing. But like I said, my parents would try to make it fun. You know, even like, you know, Halloween's coming around on the corner. Like I said, we never went trick-or-treating. My parents would always buy us candy or make us treats at home so that we can enjoy that at home. Mm -hmm. And never opening the door, never giving out candy because we didn't know if it was immigration at the door. So wow. mm -hmm. I know that you, you mentioned that your parents and education meant a lot. And obviously uh, for them to go through what they did, your mom particularly to get you to school mm -hmm. uh, is something that I just applaud. Uh, what would you say is the biggest difference uh, between your educational experience and your children's educational experience? So I think that's it's a big difference. My I feel that education is very, very important for my kids. Um, I want to make sure that they succeed and that they have like they go to a good school, make sure their attendance is there all the time, uh, make sure that they take advantage of the different programs, either at school or in the community because I do want to see them succeed. You know, I, I think my parents did the best they could with me, and I want to make sure I do the same thing for my kids, that I want them to succeed as well. So um, if it's all possible to get them into a four-year university, and if they can't, then maybe a trade school where they feel like, you know, they, they can benefit from it or learn. Are they active in a community or sports or <clears throat> anything like that? Yeah, so all my kids are involved in some kind of sports. I have two that are playing travel ball, um, two that are doing cross country, two that are doing soccer. So I have five boys. And so um, seeing them playing sports, you know, doing travel ball um, or doing cross country, it it brings almost like a tear mm -hmm, because mm -hmm. I didn't get to experience that. And so seeing it through their eyes um, makes me so happy just this, that experience that they're having. I definitely want to provide a lot more, mm -hmm. um, give them the training so that they can succeed because I know I didn't have that experience. Well, Juan, and I want to commend you and uh, <clears throat> your wife for the parents that you are, obviously, and then creating opportunities for your kids. And I'm sure it doesn't just stop with your kids. I mean, right. if we're in the community, mm -hmm. we're educators, uh, we try to do what's best for all youth that we serve. What is something that you wish educators would have understood when you were in school, number one? Uh, and is, is there anything you wish they would have known that would have made a difference in understanding you better and others like you? I think just to be a little bit more understanding. So I grew up in, <clears throat> in different locations. We moved a lot. And so um, my first, I went to preschool and kindergarten in Long Beach. And um, in the early 80s, it was still segregated where I lived in an Asian community and I went to school where only Mexicans went to school. Mm -hmm. And so then the Asians were bused to a different school. So um, I only learned Spanish until like third grade. And so when I moved to San Bernardino in third grade, that was the first time I ever spoke Spanish. I mean, English, I'm sorry. So I didn't learn English until third grade. So being a little bit more empathetic mm -hmm. and understanding of like the students, you know, that sometimes, you know, Learning a foreign new language is definitely different. Absolutely. Yeah, so um, so I, that's what I would recommend is just being a little bit more pathetic and understanding. Okay. Because, um, was there any educator that you connected with or anybody in the educational system that you felt like you could actually talk to, uh, that you trusted? 
to be able to talk to. So, no, there wasn't any specific educator um, growing up. Um, growing up with my mom, always teaching us, um, it was always more um, you had to stay quiet. Because if anyone heard you speaking Spanish or didn't hear the dialect of an American, so then it was almost like you're you're being targeted and you better be careful because they could call immigration on you. So a lot of the times, like I said, it was more we stayed to ourselves, we stayed sheltered, mm-hmm. isolated, and we didn't talk much because unless we were spoken to and it was very, very short so that our our language wouldn't come out. So, you know, you seem to be a quiet guy, but you're engaging. Do you think that that, you know, your past has kind of contributed to you being kind of introverted or would you say that didn't have? No, it, it definitely is introverted. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I definitely, like I said, I think a little bit of both introvert and extrovert. Right. But um, the introvert more just trying to stay sheltered and not to speak to anyone until I'm being spoken to. Mm-hmm. And as much as I tried to break that habit, you know, it's just... It's rooted in me. Hmm. What would you uh, say uh, now, because we still have undocumented people Mm -hmm. um, who attend our schools. Yes. uh, Whether it's their own label or family label, such as you experience, uh, what do you see that we could do to really assist those kids uh, as they matriculate through our system and kind of help those families? I think just having more support for... um, for the students, so more English learner activities, um, and not just focusing on the students, but also with the parents as well, and also trying to encourage the parents or saying that you know not to worry about immigration, that mm-hmm. they're here now, you know, and that they're going to be taken care of, that they won't be deported, yeah. you know, and that's a hard concept to to reach to parents because a lot of them are still scared, but um, just try to give them that assurance, gaining their trust. Yeah. Living in that constant yeah. fear, man, it's got to yes. be something mm-hmm. that's uh, very unsettling and uneasy. Yeah. Um, if you could speak to a student now who's dealing with some of the same issues uh, that you ha- dealt with in school, what advice would you give them? I would say just to be patient and be courageous. Mm-hmm. You know, um, courage enough to speak out. You know, not to be sheltered, um, courage enough to take that chance and educate more yourself more, um, courage enough to to just be brave. Yeah. Well, I tell you, I um, uh, you know, I work with as you know, all the marginalized youth, foster homeless, and mm-hmm. promise youth, um, of course, undocumented youth, etc. Um, as a country. What do you think we could do better to serve students who are coming from similar backgrounds as you? As a country, I think that we should be, um, like I said, a little bit more understanding because that's not just people from the south border, but it's also from the north or people coming in from different countries. Just to be a little bit more understanding. You know, I think we're all afraid and we want to do better with ourselves. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um and I know that's the reason you've been in education for 27 years. Yes. And I want to thank you for your service uh, to the youth throughout San Bernardino County. We need people like you. I get the pleasure of being serving in the same branch as you under the yes. direction of Dr. Houston. So mm-hmm. uh, it's great to see you on a regular basis. And I want to just encourage you to continue to be a beacon of light for those who are like you mm-hmm. um, and let them know they're not invisible. I right. think that's really mm-hmm. important to understand 
uh, that no matter where you come from or no matter what your circumstance, you are not invisible and that you have an advocate. So I know you and I will continue to be advocates for kids uh, in our role with San Bernardino County Schools and in our community. So yes. thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. So thank you. I appreciate <laughs> you. Thank you for listening. We hope you find this information valuable. If you have any topics or questions that you would like addressed, please email them directly to CWA at sbcss.net. As always, we hope you stay well and continue to transform lives through education.